Turn with me to Genesis chapter 3, verse 7. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 7. As you're turning there, um, one of my favorite stories is the story of the thief on the cross. Uh, A man who had lived his life for himself, he had lived his life in sin, He'd been condemned in a court of law, appointed to a cross, stripped, nailed to that cross, cursed by those who passed by, and he himself was cursing Jesus at one point. But the gospel writer tells us something happened within this man's heart, and he turned to Jesus And instead of cursing, he said, Lord, would you remember me in your kingdom? And Jesus said, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. In one moment of time, everything that that man had done in his life was wiped away through the blood of the cross. Uh, Aren't you glad that we serve a God who forgives sin, who cleanses? Who redeems us from the effects of sin. You know, uh, the world says you've made your bed lie in it. But Jesus lifts us up and says, you go and walk. He gives us a new hope and a future. Uh, The scripture that we're going to be talking about today uh, talks about the failure of Adam and Eve in the garden. The sin that they committed. And as we look at this scripture, we need to remember that you and I have failed Christ as well. Not just before salvation, we've failed him since salvation, haven't we? And were it not for Christ, do you know that the blood of Jesus Christ is always sufficient? It will never lose its power. There'll never be a time that you come to the Lord in confession of your sin that he doesn't forgive and cleanse of unrighteousness is sufficient. But we need to direct our eyes to Christ when we find ourselves uh, having sinned or even in the, the effects and consequences of those sins. Adam and Eve have sinned against God. They've taken of the fruit. They've eaten of the fruit that God commanded them not to eat of. And now verse 7 is going to pick up with the consequences of that, uh, first of all, the consequences in what happens to them as individual people, and then on to the curse, which we won't get to this this week. But uh, some of these consequences are shame, fear, separation from God. Uh, all of these things are uh, part and parcel of what happens when we sin against God. Uh, Satan sells us a bill of goods, and he tells us that if we sin, in some way, we'll be elevated. It will do us good. But in fact, the opposite is true. When we sin, the the consequence of that sin in our lives ends up causing us harm. And we know that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. So, uh, hate sin. Love God, hate sin. Love righteousness, why? Because sin is an enemy to your life. It's an enemy to your walk with God. Um, And we as God's people 
need to repent of sin and put our trust in Christ uh, anew and afresh each day. Uh, and also, if you don't know Christ, you need to repent of sin and put your trust in Christ. Jesus is the only place you can find forgiveness. Do you realize that you need forgiveness? I, you know, a lot, a lot of us, I, I think we've, we've, most of us realize that. But there may be a few that say, well, you know, I'm a pretty good person. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. The Bible says all have sinned. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. There's only one man in all the history of mankind who was an exception to that, and he was the God-man. And the Bible says he was tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. But when you begin to think about sins of attitude, you ever had a bad attitude? Did you know that's sin? Um, Adrian Rogers used to say, are you humbly grateful or grumbly hateful? Uh, you know, uh, a lot of times we have an attitude issue. Uh, or sins of speech. The Bible says, he who doesn't offend in word, the same as a perfect man, because all of us offend in word. There's not a one of us here who hasn't sinned with our speech. Have you ever taken God's name in vain? Have you ever used your mouth to say profanity? Have you ever used your lips to, to say a dirty joke? Uh, we're not to have that stuff in our lives as Christians. But the fact is, every person has offended in word. What about gossiping about someone else in sin? Listen, we are guilty. Not only are we guilty, we're guilty with a capital G. What about all of the times that you should have done something good you need to do and you failed to do it? You see, we are sinners, and we are sinners in such need of Christ's grace. But it's my hope as we talk about some of these consequences of sin that the effect will be to turn our eyes to Jesus Christ because that's what I want this message to be about is what Jesus can do to change us when we're changed by sin. The title of my message is Changed by Sin. Uh, look with me at verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. So the Lord God called out to the man and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Then he asked, Who told you that you were naked? Did you eat from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? Then the man replied, The woman you gave to me, she gave me some from the fruit of the tree, and I ate. And so, uh, changed by sin, uh, how are we changed by choosing to sin? Well, the first thing I want you to see is we know shame. We know shame. Verse 7 says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. They sewed fig tree uh, leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. And so, uh, they were in a state of innocence before sin came. When they chose to sin, all of a sudden there is this shame that settles over their lives. Uh, all of us have experienced that, haven't we? Uh, when you're little, I, I can remember getting in trouble as a little boy and kind of hanging my head in shame, you know. Uh, we all have been there, right? We've been guilty. Um, I think of uh, the woman caught in adultery. 
they brought her there with a political agenda to try to trap Jesus, but uh, Jesus has compassion on her. Uh, she's filled with shame, and he says, where are your accusers? He's looking in the dirt. He's writing in the dirt. Where are your accusers? There are none. Neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. Or what about Mary Magdalene? She had seven demons. She was a prostitute. She was filled with shame, but then she met Jesus. And the demons were gone, and her sin was forgiven, and She's so overwhelmed by the grace and the love of her great God that she comes and takes a a container of ointment worth a year's wages and she breaks it and begins to pour it over Jesus' head and over his feet. And as, as she pours it over his feet, she begins to weep and she wipes the dirt off his feet with her hair, her tears, and this ointment because of her love for, for Jesus because he had removed her shame. Aren't you glad that we serve a God like that? He heals us and restores us from our shame. There's no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus forgives us and restores us from our shame. Uh, Don't choose to sin because sin brings shame. But when you sin, confess it to the Lord as a Christian. Confess it to the Lord and ask God to give you a heart of repentance so that you can be delivered from this pattern of shame in your life. If you don't know Christ, He wants to take away your shame. Did you know He took your shame at Calvary's cross? He was stripped and some, some of, sometimes they were stripped completely naked. Other times they had just a small uh, loincloth on. But it was part of crucifixion to give uh, the sense of shame to the victim. So that they would be cursed and they would be uh, ridiculed and reviled. And Jesus took your shame upon himself at the cross. He paid for it. He took it in your place so that you wouldn't have to experience it. Isn't that a wonderful thing? Take your sin to Jesus. Just like the thief on the cross, take it to Jesus. He can remove your shame. So... Changed by sin. How are we changed by sin? The first way is we know shame. The second way, we know separation. Look at verse 8. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze. And they hid themselves from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. There was separation. They hid themselves. We know separation we find out later on that God actually expels them from the garden. There's a separation physically from God, which actually is a protection for them, right? One of the things you learn, you read the Old Testament, and you begin to see as God came and dwelt among his people, the people of Israel, you you see that there was a danger to that. Nadab and Abihu offered unauthorized fire before the Lord and sinned against God. And fire came out from the tabernacle and consumed them. And all that was left were the censers that were there. Uh, There were plagues that came upon the people of Israel because of their sin on numerous occasions. It was a dangerous thing to be in the presence of God because He is holy and we are sinful. So there's a separation that comes. But the separation for Adam and Eve here 
is a separation of their own doing. They hid themselves. They were ashamed to come into the presence of God. Probably also had to do with fear. But isn't that like us? When you sin against God, don't, don't you sometimes you, you, you hesitate to go to Him in prayer? Or you hesitate to spend time with Him? Or maybe you hesitate to come to church. Well, I'm not living for God. I, I hesitate. I, I, I just, I, I'm ashamed. I, I don't want to be in God's presence because of my sin. So they hid themselves. There was a separation there. Our sin separates us from God. Sometimes it will keep people out of church. It will keep people from the Bible. Somebody said the Bible will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from the Bible. Uh, And it's true. Uh, But there's also a separation because God hates sin. And so he separates himself from the sin that's in us. There's a barrier between us and God that's caused by sin. Um, I remember one time we were driving across Lake Pontchartrain when I was a teenager. I'd ridden down there with my my dad. He was checking out New Orleans Seminary. As we drove across that bridge, it goes on and on and on. And there's two barriers on either side. And I was thinking to myself, you know, I'm really glad those barriers are there so that I don't go off into the water. (laughs) I I just kind of thought, you know, that'd be a long way to swim. Uh, I'm glad for those barriers. Sometimes a barrier is a protection, like we talked about with Nadab and Abihu, but sometimes a barrier is not a good thing at all because it means something with a relationship is broken. Uh, If you have a fight with a family member, a spouse, or maybe your kids or something like that, sometimes there could be a barrier, right? You may be in the same room, but don't touch me, right? Right? What is that? That's a barrier. That's an emotional barrier that is there, uh, that is very real. And so what do you do? Well, if you're smart, you say, I was wrong. Forgive me, right? You, you build a bridge there, and, and you try to mend that relationship. The same thing is true in our relationship with God. We're separated from God by our sin. Now, let me tell you this, though. Without the cross, even saying you're sorry would not be enough. I hear sometimes people say, well, I just said I'm sorry. God will forgive me. I want to tell you something. Don't ever think that forgiveness is cheap. It's not. It was bought by the blood of Jesus. And without Jesus Christ dying on that cross to satisfy God's wrath, God's justice, so that God could extend his mercy and grace to us, there's not a one of us that could ever be forgiven, and every last one of us would be in hell. That's just the reality. There is no forgiveness without Christ. There would be no fellowship without Christ. But praise God, Christ did come. Christ did die at the cross. He bore our sins. He bore our wrath. He satisfied God's justice. He said, it is finished. It's paid in full. I love that verse that says, you who were far were brought near. By the blood of Jesus. I want you to know something. If you're far from God, it doesn't matter how far from God you are. You can be brought near by the blood of Jesus. Um, I love what what the scripture says. uh, For while we were his enemies, for if while we were his enemies, he reconciled us to himself through the death of his son. How much more 
having reconciled us, shall we be saved through his life. I want, to, I want you to know something. If you have put your trust in Christ, you have been reconciled. The barrier is gone. You're able to come into the presence of God. And uh, what a wonderful thing. Uh, when you sin as a child of God, there's a little kind of an emotional barrier there that you deal with by confession and repentance. But uh, if you don't know Christ, I want you to know there's a barrier between you and God. And the only way that barrier can be removed is for you to repent and put your trust in Jesus Christ. Because there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God wants to adopt you into his family. He wants to remove the barrier. He wants to wash your heart clean so there's no longer a separation between you and God. Um, I love the, the story of, of Moses and how he communed with God. And, of course, God was in the Shekinah glory cloud. Moses couldn't have taken it if God's presence had been unveiled. But he spoke with God face-to-face in an intimate relationship with God. Did you know that's God's heart for you? An intimate relationship, a face-to-face relationship with God through prayer, through His Word, and through His Spirit within you. Um, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things are passed away and all things are become new. God changes us, but He also reconciles us. And all things become new in that we're able to have a relationship with Him. The separation is gone. Um, If you're a child of God, the separation has been taken care of through the blood of Jesus in your behalf. But you need to believe it. You need to believe it. Do you understand what Romans 5, 1 says? You stand in God's grace. You need to believe it. Don't hang your head in shame. Don't call yourself a worm before God. You ever done that? Lord, I'm a worm. (laughs) You ever done that? I mean, or maybe you didn't say it, but you felt it. Don't do that. You're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Christ died. Christ lived his perfect life on your behalf so that you could have a relationship of boldness with God. Take advantage of it. Believe it. Uh, I used to say, sometimes my mother would tell me something and I'd say, I can't believe that. She'd say, believe it, George. (laughs) And uh, it's true. Believe it, George. Jesus paid the price. You've been reconciled. Be confident to come into his presence. Don't hang your head in shame. Don't hang back or hide from him, but draw near. Changed by sin. How are we changed by sin? We know shame. Secondly, we know separation. Thirdly, we know fear. Look at verse 10. I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid. I was afraid. I was afraid. I want you to know, um, there's good reason to be afraid if you don't know Christ. The Bible says, he who has the Son has life, but he who does not have the Son does not have life, and the wrath of God remains on him. You say, well, I thought Jesus loved me. He does love you. That's the reason we can take another breath, amen? But 
the wrath of God is upon you until you place your faith in Christ. Um, so allow that fear to motivate you to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're a child of God, you don't need to have a paralyzing fear like that of Adam. You can, you can, have, a, you can have the fear that uh, a son who is accepted with his father has. Um, I, I knew my father loved me, but I also knew when my mother said those words, I'm telling your daddy when he gets home that there, <laughs> there was some fear there. I'm going to be honest with you. There's some real fear. But it was a secure fear. I wasn't paralyzed in fear. I just knew that some discipline was about to come my way. Uh, if you're a child of God, you don't have to come before him in fear. God doesn't want you to be paralyzed with fear. He wants you to come boldly. I think that's one reason God calls us his children. And He says, to, he, Jesus said, when you pray, say, our Father. Why? Because... Are kids shy about coming into their father's presence? Not usually, right? If they got a good dad who loves them, they're not shy. My kids never did ask. They'd just run and jump up in my lap, you know. <laughs> uh, sometimes they would, I'd be asleep on the couch. They'd jump on me while I was asleep as a prank, you know. And No, no hesitation or fear there in that sense. They, they had a boldness of freedom in their relationship. They knew that I loved them, so they were free to do that listen that's what god has made possible for you through the cross a freedom of relationship with him so that you don't have to come in a paralyzing fear before god uh the priest in the old testament had to tie a rope around his foot because uh, around his ankle so that if god struck him dead they could pull him out because they sure weren't going in after him uh that's fear that's paralyzing fear you know what happened though when jesus said it is finished at the cross the veil ripped open so that everybody could go into the holy of holies no fear listen i'm his i'm his child i don't have to fear i go into his presence boldly the blood of Jesus has made it possible. My great high priest has gone in and put his blood on the mercy seat and has ripped the veil so that I can enter his presence with boldness. Hallelujah. Sin causes us to have fear. But what you need to do, if you're lost, you need to be saved. You need to put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you know Christ... And you're afraid because of your sin. The first thing you need to do is confess it. There should be fear of discipline. But confess that and ask God for a heart of repentance. So that you can genuinely repent. Then choose to repent of your sin. But then believe what God says. Sometimes we just don't believe what God says. In Hebrews, did you know we're commanded to come into God's presence boldly? Come before him boldly. So that you may obtain grace and find favor and grace and help in time of need. We're told to come boldly. You see, you need to believe that Christ has clothed you with his righteousness. See, the problem with Adam and Eve, because of sin, they realized they were naked. They realized that they were ashamed before God. They were afraid because they thought, I know how sinful I am. And here this holy God's come down here, and, and I'm afraid. 
But see, what people, Christian, if you're a child of God, what, a lot of times we don't realize is you don't come to God on the basis of your righteousness. The best that you have is this filthy rag. The best Billy Graham has. Tell you what, <laughs> best Billy Graham has is filthy rags before God. Our righteousness is marred by sin. I Don't ask me to explain that. I don't know if I can explain it. But I know that's what the Bible teaches. But you see, what, what God does is he justifies us. He credits Christ's righteousness to us. And it's illustrated very well in, in Zechariah. I believe it's chapter 3. Zechariah sees a vision of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. He comes into God's presence in heaven and he's clothed with filthy garments. Can you imagine that? You're before a king and you've got these filthy garments on. Wouldn't that be embarrassing? How much more before God? Satan is accusing him. He's saying, God, this guy doesn't deserve to be in your presence. The Bible says, but the angel of the Lord, which who I believe the messenger or angel of the Lord in the Old Testament is Jesus Christ, the pre-incarnate Jesus Christ. He says, I'm going to take off these filthy robes and I'm going to put my white robe on him. And he says, now, Lord, he's fit to be in your presence. See, that's what Jesus does when you trust Christ. He clothes you with his robe of righteousness. That's why you don't have to fear in God's presence. If the devil ever uh, whispers in your ear, as he will, he's done that to me. He's done that to me. He ever whispers in your ear and, and puts this thought in your mind, you're not worthy to be in his presence. Just agree with him. Say, that's right, I'm not. But my Savior's worthy. There's no spot or blemish in his righteousness. And guess what? Satan, I'm clothed with the righteousness of Christ. And he is worthy. I'm going boldly into the presence of God. Hallelujah. So, change by sin. How we change? We know shame. We know separation. We know fear. Finally, we know regret. Now, by the way, God's not asking them these questions because he doesn't know. It's kind of like me when I, my parents told me not to eat cookies from the cookie jar, right? I'd, I'd had cookies. Apparently, I'd been picking out on them, and they, they knew I'd had enough. And I said, Roger, don't you eat any more of those cookies out of that cookie jar. I went to the cookie jar, and I ate me some cookies. I don't remember this. They told me this. So, you know, I was too young to remember but apparently, uh, I walked in the other room, and I had cookies all over my face. And they said, uh, my dad says, Roger, have you been eating cookies? I said, no. <laughs> Listen, he didn't ask me that question because he was in the dark. He knew exactly what I'd been doing. He's trying to get me to admit what I'd done, Right? Because that's the starting place of getting things right with God is to admit what you've done is wrong. So God asked him this question, verse 11, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from the tree I commanded you not to eat from? The man replied, the woman you gave to be with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate. We don't have time to talk about this in detail, but it's obvious that, that Adam has some regret 
right? He's not saying, yeah, God, I did it, and I'm proud of it. He's ashamed of it. He's trying to blame his wife. It's not, quite, you know, not her fault. He chose to take the fruit from her, but uh, he's blaming her. But he's filled with regret. You can tell that, too, from hiding and, and from the sense of shame that they have, right? They're filled with regret. You ever been filled with regret because of your sin? Or perhaps the devil brings up some sin of your past. I had a, a, a person I knew share with me that things that had happened decades before, he had a dream, and all these things were in the dream. And uh, he said, you know, he said, I, I woke up and I felt so ashamed. That was an attack of the enemy. I believe that with all my heart. The enemy will remind you of your past. The Holy Spirit never does that. This is the difference. The Holy Spirit convicts us of sin so that we can confess it and move on. He doesn't bring it up the second time. The devil brings it up over and over and over again. So you have these thoughts of your past failures coming into your mind. Know where that comes from. It comes from the devil. He's the accuser of the brethren. Um. So we're filled with regret oftentimes about our sin. And uh, often we think, well, boy, I wish I could do it differently. I, you know, I've, I've, I've missed the opportunity. And what an opportunity Adam and Eve had missed. Nothing would ever be the same. Their relationship with God wouldn't be the same. Their relationship with each other wouldn't be the same. And as you look, look ahead of chapter 2, you find uh, even their children are affected uh, by the sin choices that they had made. And uh, and, and so there's this regret in their lives. And that is part of the choice of sin, one of the fruits of that choice. But I, I praise God that there are scriptures that talk about Christ restoring the years the locust has eaten. Aren't you glad for that? Um, the book of Joel is a book largely of judgment. Joel was a prophet. Uh, but at one point he, he shifts gears and he says... He is going to restore the years the locusts have eaten. The locusts, by the way, were part of God's judgment in Joel. But God's going to restore. In other words, after this time of discipline, when you repent, there will be a restoration. But it was looking even beyond that. It was looking to God's ultimate plan for redemption for mankind, Jesus Christ. Only he can restore the years the locust has eaten. Um, ask Mary Magdalene, she'll tell you. Jesus can restore the years the locust has eaten. Ask Zacchaeus. You remember that story from when you were a little kid? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he. Uh, climbed up in the sycamore tree. But Zacchaeus was a man who had sinned multiple times. He cheated people out of their hard-earned money constantly. He was a tax collector, and he was responsible to get Rome's tax, but then he could charge whatever he wanted above that. And he was literally fleecing the people of God. And he's very wealthy because of it. And filled with sin, filled with regret, he climbs up in the sycamore tree to see Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house today. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, I'm going to give back what I've stolen, and I'm going to give, in addition to that, a, a portion. And, and Jesus says, today salvation has come to this house. 
Zacchaeus went from being a hated, despised, sinful tax collector to being a son of a king in just a few moments. I want to tell you something. One of the great things about heaven is there'll be no more regret. Our sin will be completely past us. Um, and we'll be in God's presence with no sin. I, I can't really wrap my mind around that completely, but I am sure looking forward to it. What, it. what a great situation that will be when sin no longer is ever an issue in our relationship with God. Um, but in the meantime, bring your regret to Jesus. Uh, I love the uh, story of the, the Pharisee and the publican. You know, the Pharisee's bragging about how good he is and he's not like the publican and all that. But the publican is beating his breast. He is so filled, filled with regret over his sin. He says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that man went home justified. I want to tell you, regret can be a good thing if it brings you to the foot of the cross. Take your regret to Jesus. If you're lost today, Jesus will save your soul. He'll wash away your sin. I love what the scripture says. Uh, David, in his, in his prayer after his sin, he says, Lord, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was the, the uh, plant that was taken to sprinkle the blood in the tabernacle and and, and David is asking God to put the blood of the atonement over his life. And he says, Lord, when you apply the blood, I will be clean. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Um, and Isaiah, God speaks through Isaiah and he says to Israel, come, let us reason together. Though your sin be as scarlet, it shall be as white as snow. This is what Jesus does. He washes us. He buries our sin in the sea of forgetfulness. He separated as far as the east is from the west. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus has paid the price and Jesus has shown that he is God and that he is able to offer this forgiveness through his resurrection. Bring your regret to Jesus. Changed by sin. How you change by sin? You, you know shame, you know separation, you know fear, and you know regret. But hallelujah, that's not the last change that has to happen. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away, and all things are become new. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the grace that comes to us through the blood of Jesus. Lord, help us take uh, all of the brokenness of our lives, the brokenness of our sin to you to find your forgiveness, uh, to find your reconciliation.